The month of February in college basketball is the time for teams to show if they are or, unfortunately, if they're not NCAA tournament material. Well, for some teams in Big East basketball, both men's and women's, just this past weekend, they proved that they were more than capable of molding themselves into tournament material squads. Other teams had to overcome some obstacles or maybe even took a step back with their tournament hopes, with their performances. Going to recap what happened over the weekend, get you ready for an interesting midweek slate as the now new format that I'm converting. Uh, we're going to go back to the old days, um, you know, two a week here on the Igloo, the coolest podcast in all of college basketball. Well, it's kind of crazy that now we're going back to the original format of, you know, two episodes a week. And I know I'm literally recording this while I'm watching DePaul St. John's. Not ideal, but whatever. Anyways, I mean, let's start in Omaha. Friday night, no Posh Alexander for Butler. Well, no problem because the Bulldogs, after going down early in this, they were able to weather the storm, overcoming a double-digit deficit, to not only, you know, make it a game in, in Omaha, but for the first time since 2015 when season one guest of the Igloo, Roosevelt Jones, hit a game winner. Butler went into Omaha and defeated Creighton in a wild game. 99-98. to Jamil Telford, who I thought suffered an excruciating knee injury, you know, banging knees with Ryan Kalkbrenner, uh, he came right back in and just balled out. He put up 26. DJ Davis put up 22. By the way, he got raked in the eye. And, I mean, the fact that he got bloodied on that was... It was just unfathomable, but for Bowden Kapke to come in in his place off the bench and make two free throws to protect Butler's lead. This was just Butler's night. Guys that needed to step up, stepped up. Finley Bizjack had 11 off the bench. Landon Moore had eight points and... Made a huge play at the end of the game to seal the deal, making one last stop. As Crane was looking for a game-winning tip-in from Ryan Kalkbrenner with less than a second left. And again, Butler shot the lights out. 59% from three, 55% from the floor. Just five turnovers. And Creighton was really shorthanded. They only had seven guys play in this game. Mason Miller only played 12 minutes. And Francisco Farabello had to play 28. We had four off the bench, but Shireman, Ashworth, and Alexander all went the distance. 
Ashworth and Shireman each had 26. Alexander at 22. Kalkbrenner with 20 points in 38 minutes. Frederick King only played two minutes in his spot. So now Butler has big road wins, not over, not only against Creighton, but they also beat Marquette, as you all know. I'm telling you, like, if Butler can stay the course, pick up another couple quality wins while avoiding bad losses, well, really, the only bad loss they could accrue is DePaul. Like, they don't have another bad opponent on their schedule. Unless some team in the middle of the pack just falls off a cliff. I mean, Xavier's 12 and 10. I mean, most there's a chance that maybe by March 6th, maybe that'll end up being a quad three game because Xavier's on the road. But I'm looking way too far ahead. Now, Saturday, I mean, you had a little bit of everything. UConn fans stormed the Garden and turned it into Stores South, as they love to call it. And, you know, St. John's, they were up one at the break, but UConn, even without Alex Caravan, still went into the Garden and beat St. John's by double digits. Camp Spencer, a big reason why they were able to pull it off. 5 of 7 from 3. 23 on the night. And also, you know, decided to, you know, let the St. John's contingency in the building, letting them have it by, you know, telling them to in, I don't, I don't know what his name is, what the character's name is in Entourage, but Jeremy Piven's character, you get the fuck out. I'm pretty sure he said that. So, Hassan Diara started in his place. He had four points uh, starting in uh, Caravan's place, to be exact. I really thought they would have had Samson Johnson start, but he still played 21 minutes and had four points. Klingon limited to 16 minutes because of foul trouble. Stefan Castle at 21 points, continuing to be the clear-cut favor for freshman of the year. And then Tristan Noon, 18, 10, and 7. Meanwhile, for St. John's, you know, Dennis Jenkins had 19 points. R.J. Lewis had 11 off the bench. But Joel Soriano was bad. Uh, Chris Chris Ludlam was okay. Jordan Dingle had his moments, but not great. And UConn, listen, they dominated the glass. 38-23 edge. They were better from the free throw line UConn had 22 free throws, St. John's 21, but UConn made 20 free throws compared to St. John's 14. And it also helps UConn shot 49% from the floor and 7 of 15 from long range. So UConn now, they've won 10 in a row. Meanwhile, Marquette, they're continuing their strong play by, they decimated Georgetown, 91-57. Tyler Kolek went off in the first half, but this game would end up being about Cam Jones. 31 in just 21 minutes for Jones. 12 of 15 shooting and 7 of 9 from 3. Kolek had most the vast majority of his 17 points in that first half. David Joplin at 15. Igadaro had a double-double. 
And for Georgetown, I mean, the bench mostly carried the load. Rome Brumbaugh had a dozen to lead the way. Drew Fielder had 11. He was on my all-freshman team. Ishmael Massoud had 9 points in 34 minutes. So those three combined for 32 of their 57. That's, yeah, that's more than half. I mean, the starters, you got to get more out of, especially Jaden Epps, who only had 7 points in 26 minutes. Dontre Styles limited to, uh, he had the, he was the only starter in double figures. 10 points. Supreme Cook only had 2 points. Wayne Bristol Jr. only had one, and then Jay Heath had five points, and it didn't help, you know, that, um, you know, allegedly there was an illness going around Georgetown, and that's why they seemed as lethargic as they were. And, I mean, Jay Heath apparently, um, Coach Cooley needed to get his attention in the huddle, which is not great, but... I mean, it it's just weird to see things just getting worse now for Georgetown. You know, they fight hard against Providence, and then they come back home to D.C., and Marquette just runs them out of their own building. If I'm not mistaken, Georgetown has been better on the road in conference play than they have been at home. Uh, let's see, at home, their differential's been, let's see, 4, 21, 18. They were minus 18 their first three games. Their last two, they lost by a combined 58. They are minus 76 at home. On the road, for comparison, by the way, they played five on the road. Minus 62. Now, speaking of teams that are not doing well at all, well, DePaul hosted Xavier, and as expected, Xavier's offense balled out, led by who else? Quincy Olivari. Keep in mind, this DePaul team scored 39 points on Tuesday night against Seton Hall. Quincy Olivari scored 43 all by himself against DePaul on Saturday. They win 93-68. And by the way, Olivari, 12-20 from the floor, 7-12 from three. And 12-12 from the from the free throw line as well. Desmond Claude at 15, got 11 from Davion McKnight. I mean, but this is, the story of this game is clearly Quincy Olivari. DePaul didn't shoot it bad either, 41% from the floor, 40% from three. But listen, you know, 19 turnovers is not great. Uh, Jaden Henley at 17 points. Churchill Abbas at 13 points and 9 rebounds. The freshman almost put up a double-double. KT Ramey added a dozen off the bench. Deshaun Nelson, 9 points in 21 minutes off the bench, but he fouled out. So DePaul's 0-11, but Xavier now over 500 in the league at 6-5, matching you know a 6-5 conference record. Uh, Non-conference record, I should say. And then in... I... I watched a vast majority of Providence Villanova. I, I am I a masochist for keeping the channel on throughout that entire game, even though it was just awful basketball. Probably Villanova won sixty eight fifty, and 
I mean, the first half was just hideous. 26 to 16 in the first half. Well, thank God the offense has picked it up in the second half. You had 76 combined points in the second half. But Villanova won 68-50. And they did it with balance. Eric Dixon was the leading scorer with just 12 points. But getting 11 off the bench from Brendan Housen. Getting 9 from Hakeem Hart. 6 from Jordan Longino, all from deep. You know, the bench came to play. And again, uh, you know, Pat Madden, you know, my co-host on Hoist the Colors, Brought up a really good point. The bench was rarely ever a big asset of Jay Wright teams. It's been a big asset of Kyle Neptune teams. Villanova needed this game and they delivered in large part due to their strong bench play. They had 28 points on the bench compared to Zero for Providence. And, I mean, Devin Carter played well, 17 points. Oduro had 18 and 12, but struggled from the floor. Ticket Gaines had 10. I mean, they only had four guys score. Oduro, Carter, Gaines, and Jaden Pierre. And Pierre was 2 of 13 shooting and 0 of 8 from long range. As a whole, Providence shot 29%. 21% from three. Meanwhile, Villanova just over 40, well, 42% and right around 35% from three, hitting 10 of them. And they only turned it over five times. Villanova desperately needed that, and that was a must-win game, and they, and they approached it as such, and the result of this game spoke for itself. So now, this is where we sit. You know, UConn 10-1. They're two games ahead of number 7 Marquette. Creighton and Seton Hall in a tie for 3rd. Xavier and Butler tied for 5th. Then you have a three-way tie for 7th between St. John's, Villanova, and Providence. Georgetown and DePaul distantly behind those teams. Now let's shift gears. Now let's shift gears to the women, shall we? I don't know, but my my uh, podcasters app, uh, podcasters for Spotify app, it glitched out. So shit happens. Anyways, what happened Saturday? I mean, first and foremost, Villanova smacked Seton Hall. You know, Seton Hall had a good second quarter, but first, third, and fourth was all Nova. In those quarters, the Wildcats outscored Seton Hall. 60 to 31 and route to a 69 to 41 win. Lucy also with 21 points and 10 dimes. Bella Runyon with 11 points, four or five from the floor, three or four from deep. And by the way, Coach, uh, Denise Dillon went with a drastically different lineup. Uh, Christina Dalsey came off the bench at 10 points and nine rebounds in 28 minutes. Uh, Megan Olbrey started in her place at four points in 10 minutes. Caitlin Oriel started over Maddie Weber, and Oriel had seven points in 22 minutes, and then Weber only played 11 minutes, scoring two points. Maddie Burke, two points in 10 minutes off the bench. Zanae Jones with 10 points of her own. And Seton Hall, listen, when it's not your night, it's not your night. And 
They went 0 of 13 from three. They got out rebounded 37-27. 16 turnovers compared to Villanova's nine. And Villanova shot over 50% from the floor. Including 60% inside the arc. I mean, Seton Hall, on the other hand, you know, they were over 50%. Actually, no, they weren't over 50% from two. From two, they were right around 46%. But again, 0 of 13 from three, that drops, you know, that their overall shooting percentage for the game down to 34%. By the way, this is a shockingly clean game in terms of fouls. 14 to 9 for the whole game. Now, I was following this game a little bit on the ESPN app. Providence taking on Marquette. Providence raced out to a 20-2 lead. Megan Duffy had to burn two of her four timeouts during that stretch. But Megan Duffy and her team signed up to play 40 minutes. And they got the full 40. Thanks for uh, You're welcome for the plug, Chris. Marquette chipped away, chipped away, and they go into Friartown, into Alumni Hall, and steal what would have been a huge win for Aaron Bath's team. And perhaps Aaron Bath's first true signature win as head coach in Friartown. Marquette escapes with a 66-62 win by the way, they didn't need big games from Liza Carlin and Mackenzie Hare. Well, specifically, Carlin more than anyone. Carlin only had 13, 5, and 5. But the transfer from Lehigh, Franny Hottinger, puts up 18 points on 8 of 11 shooting, 10 rebounds as well to lead the comeback charge. Jordan King with 17 points, 6 of 17 shooting, and 3 of 7 from long range. And six important points off the bench from Lee Volker. Meanwhile, for Providence, you know, Olivia Olsen and Emily Archibald, the bigs for Providence, played really well, each with 18 points. Archibald was perfect from the floor. Six of six shooting, four of four from three, eight rebounds and two of two from the free throw line. Olsen was eight of 12. And Brent Farrell chipped in 11. And look, Providence, they have to be among the best three-point shooting teams in the conference, over 50% again in this game. But inside the arc, they were just 18 of 40 at just 45%. Sounds right. But they lose the turnover battle, and, Mar and Marquette hunkered down. And, you know, that's that's why Marquette is expected to be a pretty high seed come tournament time. I mean, not like a top four seed, but like a top, like, in that, like, like eh, among the top eight seeds where, like, they'll be the home team in the first round. On Sunday, uh, Butler hosted Creighton. You know, Butler started off really well. They were up at the half, 
But Creighton, kind of like Marquette, to a lesser extent, you know, they woke up. They got hot, and thanks to Emma Ronzik, who put up 26 points, Blue Jays get another big road win, 75-65. 19 from Lauren Jensen as well. Morgan Molly had 10. Pretty solid day, you know, shooting the ball 46.6%. They were plus 10 on the boards. And they also were 12 of 13 from the free throw line compared to just 6 of 10 for Butler. Butler got some really good output from the bench. I mean, they got 30 points from the bench total. 15 from Sidney Janes, 10 from Carson Norman. And then five from Kendall Wingler. Starters weren't that bad. I mean, Makaluski had 11. You had 10 each from Rachel Kent, Caroline Strandy. And four points from Kristen Carter. And then their other starter, Ari Wiggins, was held scoreless. I mean, Creighton, I mean, they're a pretty clear second number two team in the Big East, behind, obviously, only UConn. More on them in a sec. In a rock fight between DePaul and Georgetown, I mean, this was a seesaw battle all the way. On pink day, it was 23-22 DePaul. They had a five-point lead going into the fourth. And the last... I mean, it was a very low-scoring fourth. It was only 13-6. to six. But DePaul, you know, they went up 42-41 with two minutes left thanks to Anaya Peoples' layup, two of her 10 points. But thanks to clutch free throws from Grace Ann Bennett, and later on, at the very end, Brianna Scott, who drew a foul with four seconds left. The Hoyas get it done, finishing the season sweep of the Blue Demons, 44-42. Grace Ann Bennett had 12 points, as did Maya Bembry, the former Seton Hall Pirate. Brianna Scott had seven points, including those two game-winning free throws. And that made up for another off night for Kelsey Ransom, only four points on one of 12 shooting. Ariel Jenkins had three points in 24 minutes as a starter. Alex Cowan played all 40 minutes, just two points on the night. And Georgetown only went two of six from three. And luckily for them, you know, DePaul was even worse from the floor. And the free throw shooting came into play. You know, Georgetown got to the line more. 16 free throws compared to DePaul's five. And Aya Peoples, the only Blue Demon in double figures with 10 points. Jory Allen had 7, but 2 of 11 shooting. 7 as well from uh, Caitlin Gilbert. Uh, she was one of 2 Blue Demons to foul out, along with Peoples, who was 5 of 18 shooting. And then he had just 8 points total from the bench. 3 each from Kate Clark and Jade Edwards. And then they got two points from Shakara McCline. So the Hoyas' big bounce back win as they move into a tie for 
seventh in the league, along with Seton Hall. And then finally, UConn hosting St. John's. I mean, no surprise. It was all UConn. This was a pink out game at UConn where St. John's was the, they were the pink storm instead of the red storm. And UConn, they got it done. 78-63. I mean, they started off hot up 42-29. to And, you know, they did enough to win the game. Aliyah Edwards with 33 on the night, 13 rebounds, 12 of 20 shooting, and then Paige Beckers added 26. I mean, those two nearly outscored all of St. John's by themselves. So they didn't need, you know, big contributions from Nika Mule and Ashlyn Shade and K.K. Arnold, you know, players they expect to, you know, be complimentary scorers on a more prevalent level. They were dominant from two-point land at 26 of 49. They only took seven three-pointers and and only made two. But where they really won this game, you know, they forced 18 turnovers and had 24 points off those turnovers. And they also got the line more, 25 free throws compared to just 15 for St. John's. I mean, they got four of their five starters in double figures. And it was really all the starters were the only ones that, you know, made significant contributions. You know, Sky Owen had five off the bench, but she was the only player that scored off the bench. You had 16 from Bernaya Mayo, 14 from Unique Drake, 10 each from Jayla Donald and Jillian Archer. So the Huskies remain unbeaten, perfect in the Big East at 11 0 with a two game lead. Over Creighton. Don't go anywhere. Midweek picks coming up right after this. Hi, I'm Grace Ann Bennett. And I'm Kelsey Ransom. And you're listening to The Igloo with Timmy Ice. Burr. All right, let's rattle these off. Uh, let's start on the men's side. Um, I mean, I know that you didn't need me to tell you that I, ha- I was going to have St. John's beating DePaul. Like, come on. Really? And I don't think you need me to say, like, UConn's going to be bothered. Like, that's what's, that's what's going to happen. That's just... Anyways, Wednesday night, Georgetown-Seton Hall. Again, like I pointed out earlier, Georgetown is better on the road than they are at home by several points. Um, Seton Hall's coming off the bye week. You know, they had their get-right game against DePaul last week. I did way too deep of a preview for this on Hoist the Colors with Pat. Um, my prediction for this game, though, Georgetown's going to make it competitive. I think Seton's going to end up winning, though. Probably, I got about by like a dozen. It was a four-point game in D.C. I think it's going to be 12 here. Like 71-59. I think Seton Hall's defense is going to tighten up. That's just kind of my gut prediction. Villanova-Xavier at Centos. I think it's going to be a war. Xavier, they know they need to win these games at Centos. 
And I think they'll get it done. I got them winning by like three. I mean, I have UConn killing Butler tonight because, you know, UConn's a wagon, as the meme says. <laughs> um, the actual predicted score I had for that DePaul St. John's game. I only had St. John's winning by 14. I thought they would have underestimated DePaul, but they estimated them and they played it as such. Now, with Creighton and Providence, I just, especially with how badly they played against Villanova their last time out, they're due to, ha- I think they're due to have a solid shooting performance. It's going to be one of those traditional thrillers at the amp. And I got Providence getting the upset. I mean, it, I wouldn't be shocked if it ends up getting into like the 80s range, like 80, 79. I think I had like an 89-75 St. John's win tonight. And I had UConn winning by like a fuck ton. Um, the exact score though, I'm going to find this. I was like, I jotted it down somewhere. I had him winning by like 26. Like 87, 61 or something like that. I, I don't, I don't know. Like they, I had him pummeling them. And I had Xavier winning like 65, 62 over Villanova because Villanova's tempo was so damn slow. And then, yeah. Those are my men's picks. On the women's side, I mean, you don't need me to tell you Creighton's going to beat Xavier by a lot. Wednesday night, kind of the same shtick. Um, UConn's going to beat Seton Hall by a lot. Providence DePaul, I don't know. I just feel like it's hard to rebound from a game in which you had a big lead like Providence did and then you lost. And it's hard to do it when you have a shorter turnaround. When Georgetown lost to Seton Hall after going up 23-2, to they had like over a week off before bouncing back. Providence not as... Not as long of a turnaround. Not even close. I think that opens the door for DePaul to win this game. I got DePaul getting the upset. And then the game that you, I, think I recommend all of you watch on FS1 is Georgetown and Marquette. And the reason why I say that, it's not just because of the teams in the game. It's for, you know, it's an all-female broadcast with... All-female broadcasters, all-female referees. Commissioner Van Ackerman will be there, who is obviously female. Um, And an all-female production crew as well. You know, I'm I'm a big advocate for women in sports. There are a lot of great female personalities in the sport, and you see the growth of women's basketball and women's sports over the last five to ten years. Numbers don't lie. 
So highly recommend watching this game because this Georgetown team, like I've said, the feel-good story that no one's talking about in all of college basketball, let alone women's college basketball. Georgetown's going to be competitive. They're, I mean, they're, they've only lost, what, twice on the road this year? And both games were very, very close games. A one-point loss to St. John's and then a two-point overtime loss to Villanova. But this is different. They're playing Marquette. And for Marquette, I mean, they're barely above the cut line for the for a top five seed in the Big East tournament. They know they need to get hot and string together a bunch of wins in order to solidify themselves. Not as just a top five seed in the Big East tournament, but like being safely in the NCAAs. And to get like that top eight level seeding, you know? They have a much weaker strength of schedule the rest of the way. They have their two games with UConn out of the way. They still got to play. Who else they got to? Who else? I'm trying to look at. Like I was literally just going over this like before I started recording. They get Georgetown Villanova at home. They still got to play DePaul and Xavier on the road. Each of those teams are in the bottom three of the league. Same with playing Butler one more time at Hinkle. Butler's 10th. And then St. John's at home. Very winnable revenge game. Sorry for the slight distraction. I just saw Butler Blue along with Jonathan the Husky as well as his um, successor, um, I just saw both of them on my screen, and I my heart melted right away. It's adorable. Don't. It, it made your FOMO of me wanting a dog. The Big East, I tweeted this a while ago, the Big East has the best dogs of any conference. And if you want to come at me in my mentions, SEC, or whoever thinks that you have... The superior dog mascots of the Big East going up against Butler Blue, Jonathan the Husky, and Jack from Georgetown? Nah, you're not going to win that argument, brah. It's just not happening. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Igloo. I'm probably going to have a new one out either Thursday or Friday, depending on... Most likely Friday. I'll keep you guys in the loop, as always. Make sure to follow me on all socials, at the Real Timmy Ice, Twitter... Instagram, yeah. Make sure to follow me there. A lot of good stuff. That's going to do it. Catch you Friday for another edition of the coolest podcast in all college basketball. The Igloo with me, Timmy Ice.